Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday mailbag edition. It's always special, not least because I'm joined by the straw man himself, Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? Good morning. Very good, sir. Very good. How are Mate, you? I have spent a day and a half because I forgot to ask you, and now I don't know. I didn't ask you on Friday's episode what strawman.com is. And you didn't. I've been, I've been rudderless for a day and a half thinking, <laughs> why didn't I ask? It's not how easy can to I, How can I enjoy my Saturday if I don't know what strawman.com is? So I'm relying on you, mate, to uh, at least help me enjoy the second half of my weekend. What is, what is strawman? Let, let, me, let me set you on the right path, my would friend. You? Would it, you? Thank you. It's, uh, we, we are an online investment club. Oh, you yeah. A private one, I think, too, aren't you? I, I, we are indeed private. It's important uh, to get that bit right. Yeah, we're not open at the moment, but you can oh, have right. uh, limited free access, and uh, there is a waiting list if you're if you're interested down the track. There you go, strawman.com. Here's Andrew Page, uh, the founder, managing director, and chief cook and bottle washer. I am the Motley Fool's chief investment officer here in Australia. You can find us at fool.com.au. Two of the very best, I think the two very best, investment resources in the country, in my not so humble and not so biased opinion. Mate, um, I want to start with, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I really do love Twitter. Um, you know what's weird? I People hate Twitter, and frankly, I'm not a person of colour, nor am I female, so I don't have the same issues I'm sure they do. Uh, so that, let, me, let me put that out front. I've got to check my privilege, as the cool kids say these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also, I think, the case if you act reasonably decently and you kind of cultivate the right followers, it can actually be a really enjoyable and really positive experience. Again, notwithstanding there's other two areas that I'm sure if I was uh, female and, and, and maybe had different coloured skin, maybe I, maybe it wouldn't even be possible to do that. So again, I'm making that, making that point. But... Um, I have, I have, and I think you have some of the, the best followers in the country, and it's almost universally a positive experience. Even those I disagree with, I really value because they tend to disagree with with thoughtfulness and and humour, and and you know make it a fun exchange. So at least that's my experience. Um, we got a, a message during the week from Rory, and uh, and Rory hit us up by by tagging us at TMF Scott P and at Sage underscore Simeon. He did exactly that, and he said, uh, "Can you guys explain the point?" of loss-making companies doing share buybacks. If you're making a loss, why are you spending money you don't have to buy back your stock? Makes sense for companies with free cash flow, he says, but not loss-making ones. And, uh, and what I love about Twitter is not only can we ask that question, but you and I actually jumped on and had a bit of a back and forth with Rory about it, which was just fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just enjoyed that generally. But it also gave us a reason to, to use that question for the mailbag. I also did joke, only half in jest, that I'd see if our opinions changed in the day or so since we had that interaction with Rory. So we shall see. Uh, we have had a trial run at this one, mate, so we've got no excuse for getting this answer wrong or for uh, flubbing our, our, our perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really good question. So look, share buybacks, companies get to buy back their shares and effectively junk them. They get to shred them, put them through the, the, the share paper shredder, and there are fewer shares left, which means that when it earns a profit eventually, or as, as uh, Roy says, some of them don't, but if it earns profit now or in future, there are simply less pieces of it to share around, less uh, It's the, op- it's the opposite of dilution is the easy way right. to think of it. Yeah, and so uh, I'm gonna just I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just for fun let's let's say there's a, a you know a will and there's four potential inheritors, and one of them dies and there's no other provision. Instead of being split four ways, this state split three ways, and you all get a little bit more of it. Uh, now I'm not going to go into the details of I know there can be don't don't just it's a simple analogy, all right? Just leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, but but that kind of idea, right? That the same amount of assets split amongst fewer people left means you all get a slightly larger share of the pie. Mm. So conceptually. 
The idea that a company could do that and help me earn even more money from it should be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Companies like Berkshire Hathaway, which I own, Apple, which I don't, uh, famously have had very significant long-term share buybacks. Mm -hmm. Um, Buffett's share or Berkshire's share of Apple, uh, their own shares of Apple, actually has increased steadily over the past, goodness knows how long, because it keeps just buying back shares, even without buying more shares. Berkshire's ownership interest goes up and up and up because Apple buys back the shares and Berkshire is left with a, a larger proportion of what's left, which it, means that when it makes money, it gets more of that cash. It's often framed as a return of capital, which yep. I don't like yes. um, because you're actually not getting any more. You're not getting any capital yeah. at all. You just you're just getting a, a greater uh, share of share of the pie. So, it's, but but yes, and it is potentially a wonderful thing. Or not, because, and even if we get to loss-making companies, I want to just tease out a little bit, and then we get to the loss-making companies that Rory asked about. Because if you and I own shares in the company, if I sell mine to the buybacks, the company's normally either on market or off market. They say, hey, who wants to sell their shares back to us? And I say, I will. I'm selling my shares. You're, the, the company's money is being used to sell those shares, and then you kind of keep what's left of it. And at the time the company makes the trade, I'm selling my shares back to the company happily in the buyback, going, hey, good, I'm really glad I got to buy, sell some shares back. And you're in theory saying, oh, good, I get to buy those shares back. One of us, almost by definition, is wrong. In mm. an absolute sense, there are opportunity costs and other things. But if there's a $10 a share buyback, you're happy the company's buying back the shares at 10 because so, you think it's worth it. I'm selling my shares at 10 because I don't think it's worth it. Mm. Someone's going to win and someone's going to lose from this. And, and frankly, companies haven't got a spectacularly great track record of good capital allocation. No, they don't. No. Um, in fact... Uh, our banks are, are very well known for, you know, buying back shares when the shares are high and then issuing more shares when the share price is low, which is a terrible thing to do. Work into issuing shares and stuff. But generally speaking, that's... Don't, and don't get me started on Qantas. Good idea. So those are the... Uh, duly noted. Those are the challenges with buybacks. Done well, I'm going to assume that Buffett's going to do a reasonably good job of it because he tends to be good at these things. Um, other companies have done terrible jobs of it. Others have done spectacularly well. There's a, a an old business, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Constellation. No, the, in the 70s and 80s, the bloke who bought back a heap of capital. It's not Tyra, but it's one of those kind of names. Anyway, oh, okay. um, bought back sometimes up to 60 or 70% of a company's shares at really, really, really cheap price and made an absolute mozza. Um, so again, and, you know, can, and then issued really shares, well. issued shares when they uh-huh. were at a very high price. Which makes sense, right? Again, what a masterclass of Do you want to be diluted? Well, if you own the shares and the shares are too expensive, yeah, you do want to be diluted. Mm. You want to use that overpriced, you know, it's like I said before, if someone values my house at $5 million and wants to buy a bedroom for a tenth of the price of that, I'll sell them a bedroom for a tenth, you know, if, yeah. they, if they're horribly over. And by the way, if they then come to me later and say, oh, I decided the house is only worth half a million dollars now, I'm like, well, I'll buy that bedroom back from you. That's exactly, mm. that's, a, that's a real life example. It doesn't happen, of course, but to mm. put it in more concrete terms, that's exactly what's happening. So that's all done, mate. So let's assume buybacks can be good or can be bad. So let's not, let's not say they're either necessarily good or bad. But then let's overlay Rory's question about if they're making a loss, if they're bleeding money, why are they doing share buybacks? Surely that just jeopardizes the company. Surely uh, it's, it's a waste mm-hmm. of capital, isn't it? Actually, I, I think I do, we do need to take one quick step back just, oh, yeah, just, to, just to tease that apart, to, to, to answer the question that, that you, you and, and Rory just posed, mm. which, which mm. is... It makes the way to think of it is as like a company doing an acquisition. It's just doing an acquisition of itself. I, I yeah. find that a helpful way <laughs> yeah, no, think about to, it, yeah. to think about it. And and like well, any parts acquisition, of itself at least, but yes, yeah. yeah, parts of itself. And like any acquisition, it mm. it depends on a on what you're buying. So how mm-hmm. good is the business? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the greater thing of a, of a buyback. Like, well, you, you're buying back yourself. You should know it better than <laughs> yeah, anyone. So exactly. you you've got an inside running yeah. there. So it's, yeah. that's that's nice. Yeah. But it's also the price you pay. 
you know, if 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 I could buy the entirety of Apple for a hundred bucks, that is yep. that is the you know history's best investment <laughs> ever. Exactly. You know, is it yep. worth one hundred trillion dollars? Doesn't matter what how good the next yeah. iPhone sales are for the next yeah. ten. You know, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Price matters mm-hmm. when it comes to these things. So without getting into the maths and getting way down the rabbit hole, it's kind mm-hmm. of. It's a wonderful way to return capital when the price is below what you would call its intrinsic value. It's true and fair value, which we've sort of touched on as a concept before. But just, you know, when it's good value, it makes sense. And when it's mm-hmm. bad value, it's just, it's, it's setting money on fire. It's a really, really, really bad idea. Yeah. And then Rory's taken that a step further <laughs> and said, well, why would you do it if you are losing money? So you're a company that's, and, and by the way, most AS, this sometimes takes pe- people aback. Most ASX companies lose money, and it's not a conspiracy. It's not. It's not some evil lizard yeah. people kind of thing that's going on. <laughs> they exist on the market primarily as a as a mechanism to access capital, and a lot of you know most businesses you spend a lot of money up front with the with the hope of of generating value mm. down the future. So it shouldn't surprise us that a lot of lot of businesses are are loss making, particularly when you know the the there's a very long tail of small businesses among the 2000 odd companies. We we tend to the top 100 get all the attention, but there's you know 1900 other ones that are all out there and, my, and a very significant proportion of them are loss making. Now, so you've gone to the, and so I, I was very cynical in my reply to Rory. I said, well, the only way it makes sense is if you want to help support the share price. And that might be something you might want to do if you have some kind of incentive plan tied to that. And I said, it's a craven and cynical ploy if that's the case and a, and a total failure of capital management. So it's, it, it, it's, um, and it's, it, it is easy to be cynical in this game. But let's say that you or I are the management of a company. And that when we set up, when the board set up our remuneration structure, they said, hey, yep. Scott and Andrew, yep. if the share price is above 20 cents, all your rights and options are going to vest and you're, you're, going, to, you're going to get get granted a whole bunch of shares. Yep. Well, one way to make sure the price goes up is to to put out a buyback out there. You know, so it, it sounds... One way said, to... I'm, I'm, I'm only going to moderate your point just for people listening. It's one way to try to get the price up. Yes, yes, yes. And it doesn't, is, mean, it, doesn't mean it will. It, so people will and do absolutely... Your point about lizard people, the market's not screwy that everyone loses money, but there are bad actors in the market. And they're bad actors, yeah. <clears throat> if you are incentivized to get your share price up, you might try to do things to try and get the price up. No guarantee it'll get there, but if you've got a few tools at your disposal, one of those is absolutely a buyback, which all things be equal, should help the per share price increase. Yep. And if you see that run a mile, it's a massive red flag because it, it's, it tells you in no uncertain terms that management is not focused on building long-term wealth for itself and shareholders. It, it, is, it is there to enrich those that, that, that hold the yep. reins. And I, I, know, I know how that sounds, um, but, it's, but it's like there is no other possible ex- – well, there's one other possible explanation <laughs> which you mentioned rightly. Um, but I think that whenever you do see that – because remember, mm. they have gone to the market – Specifically, in, in yeah. almost all cases, yeah. to to raise money to yeah. to prosecute their strategy, so they've raised money and and by and by so, the sorry, way, and just 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 I want I got to just step back a little bit. Yeah. So when they originally listed, yes. they went to the market for additional capital. Yep. So they've gone to the market, they've yep. raised they've raised yep. some money. And then there, I know there are exceptions. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's still not not great. The optics aren't great. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. just so the the founders can get out. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's, a, it's exit liquidity in the public markets. But let's mm-hmm. say that. In, in the majority of cases, they are there to, to raise money. And, and by the way, in raising money, you've issued brand new shares. Poof, you've created them out of thin air. Here you go. Give me some money in return. I'll give you some ownership of the business. Mm-hmm. All the existing 
the people who previously held all the shares have now been diluted. They now own less of the shares mm. unless they decided to participate um, in, in the initial public offering, in which yeah. case they still had to tip more money in. Yeah. Right. So here you go, company, have some money. And we, we, you, and you've, and you've, you have said that because you want to, you want to hire more salespeople, do more R and D, go out there and and and, and buy some companies. And, yeah, exactly. You want to, you want to, you want to make more money, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The company then turns around and goes, actually, no, we're just going to buy ourselves back. It's like, mm. what? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, it, it. You either didn't need the money. Mm. Right, if you and if you didn't need the money, why did you raise it and, and dilute existing shareholders? Or, or if you do need the money, don't buy don't buy your own shares back. Mm -hmm. Now, you said very correctly, devil's advocate. They might have enough cash. So when we say mm -hmm. a loss-making business, maybe last full yep. financial year they made a loss, um, but they're on a very strong trajectory. They've yep. got a bucket load of cash from the raise. And the shares are just so dirt cheap that it's it's actually it's, right. it's actually a prudent capital management right, right, move. Right. Yep. And and I think you were right. My only point was I think uh, you, I think you have to be very confident that that the balance sheet can 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 handle that, and that you yes. you are confident of your future value creation because it, it yeah. might not be that thing that the future might not play out as you expect it to do. But it also says, well, actually, if you got if you got to cash flow positivity. Hmm. With a whole bunch of extra cash left out, it means that you you raised you raised too much money in the first place, and you unnecessarily you diluted shareholders. Maybe things went better than you expected, yep. so it's not necessarily a conspiracy, but it does it does it does sort of hint at like, well, gosh, unless you maybe maybe the initial offer was so, it was a bull market, you were able to flog off shares at yeah, a ridiculous exactly. price, and they're, they're, yep. they're, so yep. it's it's possible. Yeah, I just posit that I, I would say in ninety percent of cases it's 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 a red flag. <laughs> And I think that's, you know, it's, it's kind of regulations, rules, they're kind of really important and heuristics and rules of thumb are really important because they tend to matter. Yeah. It, it, my, my point was just to hopefully add to the conversation rather than disagree with you, which is just, if you're asking theoretically, you know, what, what could, you know, why, why could it be a good idea or yeah. why companies yes. might do it? There was a range of outcomes. Yeah. And I really struggle, mate, with these rules because it's like every, every every rule is the lowest common denominator by definition, right? And so you ask yourself, okay, well, you know, w w you know, why would this happen or why could this happen? And you're almost, <laughs> statistically, you're better off doing your approach, which is, eh, it's probably dodgy. <laughs> Let's just stay away. And that's that's absolutely, the, that should be your first port of call, right? Well, actually, your first port of call is to suspect <laughs> that and then open yes, up the exactly. remuneration report because yeah, it will be there. Exactly. And, and, and if, if, if yeah, yeah. What I, so if there is a vesting that is contingent mm -hmm. on a share price, mm -hmm. that's, you know, one. It's, it's a one plus one equals two scenario, I, I would it, say, almost with, with With a small exception, and again, just for the sake of filling this out, that is any decent independent board, and again, we shouldn't assume that boards are decent or independent, but any decent independent board would reset the vesting based on any buyback. Yeah. For exactly that reason. Yep. So if you issued someone shares that, okay, 20 cents will vest, and the CS says, oh, we're going to buy 10% of the shares back, a decent board should say, cool, but your vesting goes to 22 cents. Yeah. To, to exactly allow for that to have happened, right? That absolutely is part of it. I will say though, and this is what this is the all things being equal, is it still relies on the market having a view. And why I actually really, really dislike, I, I'm, I'm relatively alone here, mate, um, most of the time, I'm not sure your view. I don't like, 
uh, share issuers as for executives that are linked to the share price. No, no, because I'm, I'm with you 100%. So it's I always take a step back of like, if you get a remuneration report with that, not, that that's a, it's an orange flag, it's not a red flag anyway. If, if, um, because uh, it can I just invites very gaming. Quick, go on. Very, got, sorry, very quickly got to come in with a Munga quote here, which is, <laughs> which is show me the incentive and I will yeah. show you the outcome. Yeah. Right? So, so this is just human nature. Yeah. Scott, it's a I will- of what gets measured gets done. What gets measured? What you know? If, yeah. if, if I, you will make a lot of money if X yeah. happens. Now you are yes. going to <laughs> do whatever you can to make yeah. that happen exactly, for your own exactly. self-interest. Yep. Of course yep. you are. Yep. So when you say to a management team, you're going to make a lot of money. We're going to give you a lot of free shares yep. if the share price gets All you above have that. To do is, uh, yeah. I don't really give a stuff about long-term wealth creation and what the per share earnings of the business or the dividend capacity is five years hence. Correct. I'm just going to be out there talking to. to I'm, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be doing podcasts. I'm going to be talking hey, to. On. <laughs> journos, you know, I am because I'm yeah, going to pump yes, the exactly. share price up because exactly. I will, and I will say whatever I have to say within yep. the bounds of legality yep. to make that happen. And you see it a lot, you it know. And it, too, mate, there's yeah. two ways this can happen. One is the absolutely craven, self-interested, screw the rest of you. I'm all right, Jack CEO. The other, far more common, is the CEO who says. Well, I know I've got the incentive, but really I'm a long-term guy and I'm, I'm going to try and do the right thing. I'm going to try and build the business and, and I'm really going to try and do the right things. But when I get an interview in, with, a, with someone in the paper, that, that subconscious, that even, even completely unrecognized um, tendency to do that anyway as well as and justify it to yourself is also really, that's almost the worst one, right? The outright crooks, they're almost easier to identify and stay away from. Yeah. It's the insidious impact of the subconscious of, oh, I'm going to try to do the right thing, but I need to get the share price up. I'll do the right thing, get the share price up. I'll do the right thing, I'll get the share price up. I'll get the share price up. I'll go get the share price up, but I'll try and do the right thing. Well, it might not you know, even be the share price. Off. It might just right. be, yes. I want my job is to to yeah. Yeah. represent the company and, and tell the story. Totally. You know? So exactly. I'm just doing that That's as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get your yeah, point. Exactly. I do get your point. Yeah. And I, I'm not disagree with you. Just, just, I want to make the point to people that you want to be absolutely careful of the crooks. Yeah. But it really is, from an incentive perspective, as you say, it's that middle ground of people who seem reasonable, who would think they were reasonable, wouldn't in a, wouldn't in a million years say they did it for that reason, right? And yet, <laughs> it's just, as you say, the, the behaviour follows the incentive. It just does. The outcome follows the incentive. It just does. And it's yeah. insidious. And, that, and by the way, also don't just bag the CEO. A board who sets that yeah, it's is also trying to do exactly the same thing, right? They the are absolutely trying to are our representatives. Up. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing, though, mate. I've had plenty of people on Twitter who say, well, at least if they're focused on the share price, that's all I care about. And if the share price goes up, I'm happy. Mm. So I've, I've, I made the point on Facebook exactly about the what I think is a cancer of, of CEOs giving guidance, right? For reasons mm. you and I have talked about mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple people on, on Facebook come back and say, well, they can't control anything else. At least if the share price goes up, that's all I care about. I'm an investor. I want the share price to go up too. And if the price goes from 50 cents to a dollar, I'm going to sell and make a fortune. Absolutely, I want the CEO out there talking up the share price and to hell with mm. what happens after that. Mm. And I'm... Disagree. I'm both appalled by that, but I also completely understand it. Talking about, you know, we talked on Friday about you know, being in someone else's shoes. If I get a 50, 100% gain, 50 cents to a dollar, because the CEO so talks the share price up and I'm there to make money, why do I care if the share price then goes to 50 cents again if I've sold out in the meantime? It's not my, if not my money. If you've sold out in the meantime. Here's, here's, the, here's the challenge for you. Think of yeah. any of the great business uh, in, investments that you could have made yep. at any, any point in time. Yes. They were all 
people focused on building long-term wealth and, and generating value for, for customers and clients. Correct. Correct. There's not a single history in the entire pages and pages <laughs> of history yeah. where some rampant stock promoter did, did anything, <laughs> any favors. Yes, you're right. If I bought low and I sold high, if I played the game of chicken and the other yeah. guy swerved first, yeah. oh, well, you know, I just, I just happened to get out at the right time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Then okay. That's but right. that is, that is a danger. Everyone's playing, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going to play that game if, if people are just out there pumping pumping the stock. Yeah. And because they're so focused on that, they're not focused on running the business. Because they're yeah. focused on that, they're going to make any kind of promise and tell any kind of story that they can to help get the price up. Mm. And it's, it, it is very counterproductive, extraordinarily mm. counterproductive. And if, if uh, we speak to a lot of CEOs with, with Strawman, we invite to come along and speak to our members. Mm. And um, you just, my ears always prick up when you get <laughs> the people who will say, you know, I, I love. I'll flip it around. I love it when those who sort of say, "Look, I, I just don't know what's going to happen over the next year or two, but this is what yep. we're trying to build." Yeah, like that. Absolutely. I was like, "Whoa!" It's, it's almost like we were saying on on Friday is like, you know, sometimes you only need to go so far into your research that you that you're going to make your decision. <laughs> I'd say, almost alone is when you get when mm -hmm. someone who is who's clearly focused on that. It's sort of mm -hmm. like it's a big tick. As opposed to the person who's like, oh no, we, we, you know, the market, the total addressable market is ten trillion dollars, and we're going to get twenty percent, and we're going to get it by this time, and blah blah blah. Mm. I was like, whoa, that is, there's a lot of promise in that, and there's there's a lot of a lot of things that have to go very right very soon for that to sort of happen, and. You know, it's great that you're coming and speaking to us, but I noticed that you've just done four other podcasts this week and <laughs> been on TV. And it's like, do you actually spend any time running the business? Like it's sort yeah, of, you know, yeah. it's sort of, yeah. again, these are heuristics and heuristics are, are often wrong, but, but they can also be handy. Now back to the question and we will move on. But Rory, so, so my, my point to Rory in response was, here's the thing. Let's say you raised... Hundred dollars. I'm just gonna make my, my life simple. The number simple. You raise a hundred bucks to grow your business. You had all these plans in place, and you raise a hundred bucks a dollar a share. Mm -hmm. All right. Now the share price is ten cents a share. Yeah. Now I can absolutely see someone who says we thought the best use of our and legitimately. Let, let's assume they're on the level for a second because this is we shouldn't we shouldn't start with that assumption necessarily. But mm -hmm. to, to to paint the alternative picture. The answer would be someone says, hey, I raised 100 bucks to run this business. We're losing money now, but I raised the money because I want to grow into a new country. I'm going to go into America. I'm going to launch my product there and I'm going to do this and that, whatever else. I'm going to R&D and spend a lot on marketing, all that kind of stuff, right? And so this is a good bet. I think raising 100 bucks is a good bet to grow this business. And then, uh, and by the way, and you're losing money because you're in, you're in the US already. So you're already there. Mm -hmm. You want to big it up. Yep. And then you've opened says, the office. You've hired your staff. All those right, costs are being right. worn up front. Yep. 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 And, so, and so you're losing money while you try and build it. And then someone says, so that's the plan. And you might be able to make some good money doing that. At the same time, your share price has fallen from a dollar to 10 cents. Mm. And now if you're a decent capital allocator, and you should be, you look around and go, well, I thought I was a pretty good chance of running, you know, growing this business in America. But the business in Australia alone is worth 50 cents a share. So if I just pull out of America, shut the American operations down, I can make 50 cents a share. Now I wanted to grow it. That's why I did it. But Chief, I get a chance to buy back my shares at 10 cents a share and the Australian business is profitable and making money at, at, you know, it's worth 50 cents a share. I could just buy back those shares and if worse came to worse, I'd like to keep running the US operation, but it doesn't work, that's okay, I'll mm. shut it down. Mm. Losing money now, sure, but I'll just, if it doesn't work, I'll share, if I run out of cash, I'll shut it down. At 10 cents a share, it's far more, I create far more value for myself and for my shareholders by buying back my shares mm. because I can shrink my way back to profitability if I need to and overall dollar for dollar, that is the most sensible, thoughtful, uh, you know, capital risk appropriate way of handling my shareholders' cash. 
I'm like, go for it. Knock yourself. You absolutely do that. Yep. Now, are they doing it? Will they do it? Um, all the things you've, you've talked about, are they dodgy? Are they, you know, unknowingly, unwittingly dodgy because they've been incentivized? All that stuff, probably yes. And you're right to start with, let's assume they're dodgy and then look for this confirming evidence rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. But I just want to make the point just to reorient it to our listeners. This is why the rules are A, important, but also B, meant to be broken because um, it is that combination of, okay, well, which way do we, you know, you know what, what, could the, what could the rationale possibly be? Yep. Probably it's to game the share price and push the price up and whatever, whatever. But there are very, very real, reasonable, possible outcomes, which is simply they see a lot of value there and they think, you know what, I'm going to buy back those shares because it's just too cheap to ignore. Th- yep. Those things are both possible, probably more likely to be the former than the latter, but both possible. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Po- it is possible. I guess I, I would expect that the board management would be able to make a very articulate case to justify mm. that. Yes. And that should happen yep. more often. That really yep. should, where it's just like, treat us like adults here. Yeah. You know, we're big, yeah. we're big people. Go yeah. to, uh, explain yeah. to us why you're taking our money to do this, right? Yeah. And, exactly. and if, you, yeah. if you've got a good story and good yeah. rationale, we'll back you. We'll back yeah. you. And if not, we'll sell our <laughs> shares, right? So don't, don't, it, it, it's, it's, it's when it's done with very little explanation or something. I, I yeah, feel as though that's sort of a bit dodgy. The other thing is as well, in your example, which is, I know, actually, it's actually a really, I was thinking this the other day, it's a really good way to emphasize a point is to go to the extremes mm. um, because it does, it does, it does help make, uh, help with the understanding, but in your scenario, shares have dropped ninety percent. So we it assume we know that markets are inefficient, yes. but yeah, yeah. wow, the market yeah. has really got that wrong. And so either the market is just yeah massively, massively wrong, and the management just cannot, <laughs> for the life of them, convince the market that this is a little bit overdone yeah, yeah, before yeah. they've even contemplated that. That's it, yeah. not possible, but 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 un- but unlikely. And it also, although we've seen recently, mate, a lot of tech stocks have fallen a long way over the past eighteen months. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not ruling out the fact there's probably businesses in that similar position, or basically, or maybe even businesses that are loss making but have actually got to the point of being maybe cash flow positive or almost cash flow positive. They can see it from here. Yeah. If you're sitting there doing your maths, it's like we've been shrinking that cash flow, the cash outflow for the last four quarters mm. in a row. Mm. The market hates our stock right now, but our business hasn't changed. And our cash flow generation's on track, and yeah. uh, you know they they should like yeah. Buffett's sitting there. Buffett's over their shoulders going. Dude, buy back some shares. And that would yeah. be a very reasonable thing to do if yeah. those circumstances were real. Yeah, if, if. if. And that's, exactly. that's, that, that's the thing you've got to, that's the thing you've got to sort of get at, yep. get yep. at here. And, and I just, Correct. and it also means that, that by virtue, like it's the opportunity cost. By virtue mm-hmm. of prosecuting mm-hmm. the buyback strategy, yep. you've now hobbled your expansion plans, yep. which may have been very well formulated and very exactly. smart. Exactly, exactly. You know, right. so maybe, maybe you say that, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just pull out. I mean, the, 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 the lack of hubris that that requires. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Ultra. any Ultra. example ever. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. there's yeah. a couple where, where where a management team have said no, yeah. we're we're going to be content by being a smaller company. It's, yeah, totally. It's, it's just. I, I think you're. I think it's why I like when we have these interactions because you. Mm. I I do tend to get a little bit up in arms and carried away and you kind of bring me back, back down to earth. <laughs> oh, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a reverse man. I'm, I'm just, I'm devil's advocate normally for the sake of, I because I'm just a pedantic so-and-so, but also just because I think it's useful to add, I try, I try and add some value where I can. Yeah. I would, you know, if, I, if I'd have responded first, I probably would have used exactly your response, right? Yeah. And then you would have come in and said, but, but, but. Yeah, I think it's yeah. about the value of second, second ideas, second opinions and additional thoughts. Uh, we just get to get to kind of throw some of that. I stuff guess in. bottom line, and we'll move on, uh, is yep. that if you see a company that's losing, that's a loss-making company <laughs> doing a buyback, yeah. scrutinize that. Be, be, <laughs> a, be afraid, be very afraid. Yeah. I, think that's, uh, I think that's probably very, very good advice, mate. It's uh, 
Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because, uh, yeah, it, it, yes, I think I think you're always be skeptical first, and then and then work backwards from there, mm. because you know, as I said before, people try to imitate Warren Buffett all the time, probably because they are trying to learn from him, or because they know that it's a con man's best job is to seem like you're one of those guys, right? So, you know, if you see the next Warren Buffett, be sceptical, right? Maybe it is. You know, Buffett himself would have been the next Ben Graham and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I would have invested in Buffett's companies in the first 10 years either because, you know, do you, do you trust him? Do you know him? Is he just some other bloke from the Midwest of America trying it on? I don't know, maybe. You build that credibility over time. That's maybe the other thing is think about the credibility of the management team and the, and the directors. Yep. Well, I had a, a speaking of Twitter another great tweet uh, came through actually this morning uh, from Greatest Failures on Twitter who just says at Sage Simeon at TMF Scott P I'd like to see Twitter publish the accounts that have been blocked and muted the most number of times and then publish them similar to how shortman.com.au publishes the top shorted stocks <laughs> would be a useful resource I think I kind of I kind of like that if people you know don't want to hear from or don't want to listen to it. Okay, it's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a really a really fun a really fun tweet. Um, so for those who don't know, Shortman is a is a ASX web or not ASX, it's a website about the ASX and it just just publishes the short positions and the more shorted a company is. Generally speaking, that means short sellers have targeted that one as one they think is overvalued for one reason or another. For valuation reasons or business quality reasons or both uh, and some people use that to either help them stay away from stuff or if you're contrarian you look at that and say everyone hates that right now when they change their minds this could be something that could go up uh, it has uh, it has worked in both directions at different times so I, I replied uh, would that make them a hard avoid or does that make them the truth speakers who are undervalued <laughs> and it was a question in response rather than an answer because I didn't have a good one but I am, I am curious mate to your thoughts uh, with an investors with an investors lens uh, are, the, are the list of mo- the, the list of accounts that have been most muted and blocked? Are they the are they the fearless truth tellers, or are they the the rat bags who deserve to be avoided? And, and what lessons does that have for investors? Well, isn't that interesting? Well, I lean more towards the rat bags. I mean, it's not <laughs> Twitter. Twitter's pretty good, right? Like yeah. you know, I know Elon gets a bit upset at times, but I don't think mm, I've mm. I've seen some pretty out there viewpoints that aren't censored. Mm. I think as long as you put them forward in a way that um, you know, I'm all, I'm huge on free mm. speech. I think free speech is massively important. But but when when you're in sent to be blocked, it has to be it has to be something that's beyond that where you're sort of encouraging violence or you know, <laughs> yeah, there's you, they, 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 you, it's a it's a pretty hard line to you've really got to go out there to cross it. So it's <laughs> it, it's not it's not mm. some over regulatory <laughs> overreach where they don't like what you're saying. Right, right, right. You know, I think that's yeah. that's too easy. If that was the case, I'd say that no, these maybe these are the people we need to listen to. If this was sort mm-hmm. of a, you know, a government-run uh, social ne- media platform, if you said anything <laughs> mean about Anthony help. Albanese that you got yeah. blocked, it was like yeah. now I'm interested, right? You know, it's like the best way <laughs> the best way to improve book sales is to have your book uh, <laughs> yeah, banned. You have a band, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So, but but I think in in a lot, not all, not all. I'm sure there's always exceptions, but it, it feels to me as <laughs> those those ones that get blocked the most are probably because they just they went way too far in 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 in, 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 in trying to make their point and it was it was beyond what you would reasonably term free speech I think that's probably true Mike. that's probably true but a bit of fun anyway Motley Fool Money for more subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener Mate, let's go to another question. Uh, let's go to one from Nathan. Uh, Hi, Scott and Ram. I came across the pod about six months ago, and now I make sure to catch the two episodes each week. 
I've been investing for around 18 months now with a mix of your investment styles. And while the market has not been super kind to me over that time, I am committed to riding the wave as I can see the substantial upside of long-term investing. Good man, Nathan. In addition, he says, I see a real issue with education or lack thereof of young impressionable Australians about all things finance and investing. And many of my friends and family would do well to listen to your free and insightful pod each week. Thank you, Nathan. And all I would say is don't tell us, tell them. Uh, we can always do it with more listeners. So if they can, if they can, be, if they can uh, have their financial lives improved by it, just let them know. Just, you know, feel free to, or at least throw a review on the, uh, on the app store. Do that for me. Two unrelated questions, he says. Feel free to answer only one or both. As I know you can often get on a tangent and take a while to answer each <laughs> Guilty. one. Guilty. <laughs> uh, helpful to know, he says, I'm currently 31 years old. I like, I like that. Is it the opposite of a humble brag? It's kind of like the, the kind slap. It's the backhanded. You know, it's like, no, nah, just answer one because you can often get on a tangent. Take a while to answer them. It's like, I think he's just said we talk too much, mate. You often talk about, this is question one, having super in an aggregate investment option, aggressive, sorry, investment option, if you're young. And I agree. But what about outside super? I'm talking specifically about the Vanguard Diversified High Growth ETF. The code for that is VDHG that Nathan provides. Vanguard gets a lot of love on the show, particularly from Scott, absolutely. However, I rarely, if ever, hear this ETF mentioned. The fund has 90% allocation towards growth assets and seems to have a nice mix of both Australian and international exposure. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this ETF. I currently hold it in my portfolio, and although the one-year returns don't make for good reading, I still have decades to reap the rewards of the fund. You first, mate. VDHG, yes or no? I, do, I actually want to go back to what Nathan said at the very beginning, okay, which on. was I, I started 18 months ago, and it hasn't hasn't been a great start. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to give you some um, solace with that, Nathan. I, I mm. actually I've thought about this a number of times. Is, is that I think. That is exactly how you want your investing journey to start. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. obviously, wouldn't it be great if you invested at the bottom, like the, the depths of the biggest bear market ever, and then it was just always up mm. from there? Mm. The trouble with that is, is it teaches all the wrong lessons. <laughs> and I take it from someone who started investing at, at, as the tech boom was was um, going crazy in the, in the late 90s, you know, um, Made a lot of money on paper <laughs> and lost a lot of money. <laughs> and then exactly, very yeah, quickly, right. you know. Oh, and 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 it tends to so it teaches all the wrong lessons and then mm. it and then it dissuades you from from ever doing it again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, and so you just you miss out on a lifetime opportunity there. So yeah. so I, I but the the person who sort of comes into it wrecking wrecking and you generally look at everyone's situation is different, but generally when you're younger and you're just starting out, you have less money than you will at the peak of your earning capacity and the rest Fair. of it. Sort of like yep. the time to have the hard lessons is yes. early and you make the, the mistakes exactly you want yep. them hard yep. you want them early it, it's going to slap you around it's going to feel <laughs> awful but it's mm. it's it's going to it's going to make sure that you are on the right footing and and the key thing and nathan 100%. said this is that you know i'm looking i'm looking to the long term and I'm, I'm staying on track which is great which is great because it will get better i don't know when or how but it will mm. eventually mm-hmm. um so i just wanted to make that point in terms of uh vanguard i'm not familiar with that etf um it, the devil's in the detail what's yeah. their selection criteria yeah uh what's currently in there um it, it we've made this point several times is the mm. more the more What's the word? Fancy you, these ETFs get. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The more discretion there it is, it just it yeah. kind of just becomes like a managed fund. There's 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 a p- person or a group of people more likely making a decision there, or at least making a decision on entry mm-hmm. criteria at some point mm-hmm. in time, which may make sense at a given point in time. Um, 
Uh, so I'm really loath to sort of say I, because I don't I don't know what that selection criteria is, and yep. it, it it growth has been uh, up until about a year ago has been the trade <laughs> to, yeah. to use that horrible yeah, term, but yeah. it has been the trade over the last decade. Mm. Um, I don't. We spoke on Friday how we mm. oh well, I feel at least that it, the the pendulum is swinging back to the value sort of school of thought. Um, for various reasons, so I I don't feel confident enough to to speak to it. It may be that Vanguard have an incredibly um, sophisticated selection mechanism that will ensure <laughs> that you get growth, but done in, selected in a very prudent way. Um, yep. Maybe that's the case, or it might be that hey, we define growth as anything where the last five years EPS has been above this certain arbitrary threshold, and that's the selection criterion. Which going well. Maybe maybe that won't work in the future. I don't, I don't know. Um, yep. So so I, I, I don't I don't feel qualified to say other than just to reiterate what I normally say is I think the value of ETFs generally speaking for me is the broad based broad index low cost index tracking ones. They're they're the ones yep. to go for. Yep. And then around that, buy some individual stocks. Like if you're looking at that ETF and you notice that ten percent is in I don't know Apple or something like that, mm-hmm. and that's why you're buying. Buy Apple stock, right? Like you don't. I don't know. I don't know. To, to, to me, to me, you you still can be a very, very, very low risk relatively and well diversified with something like the VAS, the Vanguard Top 200 or something, and then maybe putting three percent into something that you consider like an attractive growth company and, there's, and, and adding it up around that because those those positions can go to zero and you've still got the vast bulk of your wealth in something that's that's very safe. So, but maybe you know the the ETF better, Scott. So I do a little bit better and I I love Vanguard. I really, really dislike this ETF. And I should say I dislike it because Vanguard have so many better options, not because it's a terrible investment idea or you shouldn't invest in it. <clears throat> so this is, a, this is a fund of funds. And generally speaking, I hate funds of funds because <clears throat> you're doubling the layer of fees. So f- first things first. Second thing, diversified high growth, kind of, yeah, sure. But it's not really growth as in growth stocks versus value stocks. It's more like our, imagine, it's, it's more like a superannuation premixed option. So let me, let me share quickly, uh, you might know this, Ram. Uh, so 36% of the fund is in the Vanguard Australian Shares Fund, which you just talked about. Well, that's not high growth. A third of it is in something that's not high growth. Right. Well, it is an asset base. So this is what I'm saying about assets. So if you start with a superannuation perspective with cash and property and oh, okay. bonds and shares, mm-hmm. then yeah, this, this would absolutely qualify as high growth relative to a, a more balanced mix of investment assets across mm-hmm. more than just shares. Mm-hmm. So it's one third Australian shares, or 36%. It's 26% international shares. It is 16% international shares hedged to Australian oh dollars. So three, three quarters is, and we haven't even gotten to anything that's sort of vaguely sort of growth so here we in, go. in equity sense. You wait, it doesn't get any better. 6.9% aggregate bond index. Oh my God. 6.5% small companies index. You <laughs> there might we go. say that's a bit growthy. Getting 4.8% emerging markets and 3% fixed interest. <laughs> right? So this is, and I, look, so I, that's why, this is why I don't like it, mate, because I think, I don't think Vanguard, are, I, Vanguard are good people. They're not trying to do anything, not trying to screw anybody. They have, they, there's no profit motive at Vanguard because they they're not, they're not for profit, right? So we can afford to, like our original question from Rory, we can afford to assume these guys are on the level, relatively speaking, and mm-hmm. trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a high growth option compared to if there was a Vanguard balanced 
fund. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would have you know twenty five percent property and fifteen percent bonds and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's high growth in terms of asset mix mm-hmm. relative to what would be considered a balanced asset mix. Mm-hmm. But it's not high growth in terms of shares compared to the average share market. And so the return you're going to get, back to the question we got from Nathan, the return you're going to get here, like I love the Vanguard Australian Shares Index Fund. I don't own any, but I'm really happy with it. Vanguard International Shares Index Fund, I own and like. Hedging the international shares, fixed them, I think it's a complete waste of time and money. Yep. And Vanguard are doing this to try and moderate the volatility, again, not unreasonably, for people who don't want volatility based on currency. So again, is it a reasonable thing to do? Yes, if that's what you want. Bond index, have no time for. Uh, in small companies in emerging markets, potentially, yeah, sure. Mm. Fixed interest, no time for. Mm. So here's the thing. It is going to almost certainly, and I've got to be careful how I phrase this because anything could change. But because they're paying for hedging, the hedge bit will do worse over time than the unhedged bit. So they're already reducing the average potential return because they're paying for the hedging. So you're already in less than if you just bought the unhedged version. They've got bonds and fixed interest, which almost certainly over any extended period of time will underperform shares. So you're already dragging yourself down. Once you've paid for the hedging, once you've, once you've invested in bonds and in fixed interest, you are lowering your potential return by definition with no commensurate upside. Mm. All you're getting for it is a reduction in volatility, which is fine. And if you want that, that's completely fine. Um, small companies, I think is a great idea. Emerging markets, I think is a pretty good idea. International shares. If I was going to create an ETF for myself, mate, of this stuff, I might actually include um, Australia, international, emerging, and small companies. In fact, I own some of those, not all of those, but some of those I've just talked about. I own the small companies fund for my young bloke too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't mind them. What I just like is you're paying 0.27% of fees rather than really cheap, and you're not getting the growth you think you're getting. It's not like you're getting growth Australian shares or Australian growth shares and international growth shares. You're just getting the, the index. And so if you're going to buy a single ETF, this is probably not a terrible one to buy. If you're just going to buy literally a single one, because you can't get one that doesn't have that other stuff in it, I would buy, frankly, a, a global. You know, I'd, I'd rather buy this without the hedging and without the bonds and fixed interest. Um, if you're trying to maximise your returns, this is not the fund to do that. Really straight out, long-term returns. Mm-hmm. This will not beat those sub-indices by definition. It'll beat some. It'll beat fixed interest, absolutely. It'll beat bonds, absolutely. But it almost certainly won't beat Australian shares or international shares by definition. And that I think is a shame because you. People are buying it, I think, assuming it's the growthy version of an ASX index fund, and it's just not. Yep. Which is, done? I mean, maybe that's what you want. But yeah, totally. Exactly. Got it. These terms, <laughs> yeah. these like, you know, f- growth to me, well, it, maybe it invokes different things for different people. Correct. For me, that's, that's the challenge, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I would, I, I don't, I think this will underperform over time against VAS, the Australian Shares Fund, and against the International Shares fund vgs i own uh, the vgs one as i said uh i would i would make my own I'd, I'd buy two or three etfs to cover the sort of things they're doing if you wanted to so here i don't know if they offer it they might uh if you want to mirror something like this but take out some of the, the the slow growth stuff and you want you're happy to change some volatility for it in other words accept more volatility um i would i would i would invest in probably those four individual etfs rather than this one i'd i'd, I'd invest some money in the australian shares fund international shares that vgs one um emerging markets and uh small companies if that's what you wanted to do i think that'd be a perfect mix mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i but I, I would do it myself i wouldn't do it to get, get the other stuff they've got and i wouldn't pay for hedging personally no uh so nathan's second question mate i'm interested to hear your thoughts on paying down a mortgage versus investing in the market with additional funds each month for background, this changes, mate. This is interesting because it's changed a lot over the last two years. We've answered a couple of times, 
but I dare say rates are higher than we have had in the past and we probably even maybe even thought would be the case. For background, says Nathan, I'm a homeowner and currently on a fixed rate of 1.99% for another two and a half years. Well done. This makes me very happy given the current interest rate trend. I'm a bit torn, however, about where to allocate my additional monthly capital. My initial thoughts were that I can get better than 1.99 through my investments so that would make more sense. That said, he said, who knows what my interest rate might be in two and a half years once the fixed rate ends. How would one think about making good progress on the loan while the rate is so low versus getting hopefully better returns from my investment portfolio? All the articles I've read point to investing being the better option. However, I'm keen to look at getting an investment property and using future property equity to fund my share portfolio. Hope this isn't too specific. General advice only, of course. Thank you, Nathan. Um, apologies for the lengthy questions. Hope to hear some thoughts on them in an episode soon. Cheers, Nathan. Mm. Nathan, no, all good questions, mate. And this is different, Ram, because when it was 1.99%-ish variable, mm. that was a pretty easy slam dunk, right? Yeah. You can get an average of 9% on the market over the long term. Again, no promises in given short periods of time, but versus you know 2% in the market. Now, the 2% is after tax, so you've got to kind of handicap the, the, the market returns by something to allow for the difference. So maybe it's... What would that be? Should we say 7.5% after tax? Maybe 7.5% yeah. after tax. 7.5% tax. So 7.5% after tax on one hand, uh, 2% you know, uh, on the other. Easy decision to my, for mine. Five percentage points of difference. Too easy. Now, Nathan, I don't expect can actually put extra payments into his fixed rate loan unless the loan's very generous. So I'm going to assume anything he does uh, pay off is in a variable context made as the rate continues to go up. Now, I think at the moment, 4% is the best you can get. Uh I imagine in a year's time, 5% mortgage rates probably likely. And at that point, 5% for the mortgage and 7-ish percent after tax on, on shares, that's a much, much closer uh, potential uh, differential than we've had in a very long time. Does that change your perspective? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it, the, the way to frame the question is one of, well, how much risk do you want to take? Yeah. So mm. the, the more you leave... Um, the higher the level of your debt, the higher the risk that you take, the more leveraged you are. Now, you can you could go the other way, right, and just say, well, I'm going to draw down even more uh, against my equity and then yeah. and throw all that in the market. Yeah. Is that the right move? Well, it could be, depending on how things go. But if things mm. go badly, it's absolutely the worst move. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so... It, that that's the difficult part of the question, and and yeah. I'm, I'm a bit guarded in what I say because I don't I don't <laughs> want my prejudices to come into yeah. here. But there is yeah. there are scenarios where, you know, uh, interest rates go up significantly, equity market mm. um, returns aren't you know at least for a period aren't as good as they have been historically, and yeah. you know all the maths and best intention in the world could just <laughs> go out the window un, un, yeah. under yeah. that. Now it's not a question of saying, well, therefore I have to know what's going to happen, but I think you do have to be aware of that as a possibility. Mm. The great thing about re- reducing your leverage as much as you can is that while all things being equal, you may get a lower return. You've also got a huge sleep at night factor. Mm-hmm. Like massive sleep at night factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it, it depends on the absolute levels we're talking about here. What, what what's the what's the LVR? Are we, are we talking something that's still up around eighty percent, or are you down at twenty percent? That, that makes a big difference as well. So if if we had a relatively low level of debt, and you were able to sort of make the choice, then it's just like I, I feel as though even with a slimmer margin, the putting some into mm. extra into the market makes a lot of sense. If we're kind of up to the eyeballs and then expecting as soon as there's a bit more capacity, I'm going to flip that into another property. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, it's it's just a great, leverage is just the best thing in the world until it isn't. Mm. And 
And so and that you knife ha- edge is very, 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 very sharp. Ah, uh, things you, things well, change. Once you, once you go from one side to the other, you don't you, you don't come back. And there's no there's it, Buffett says it's it's the only way a smart person can go broke. Yep. You know, is is with leverage. Yep. And uh, you know, so I I'm I I'm more of the bird in the hand versus <laughs> two in the bush kind of person. Yeah. So I I don't I don't have any debt um, to my name at, at this point in time. Um. I could, I could easily lever, yeah. lever her up. And frankly, when I look back over the last ten years, <laughs> yeah. I wish I had, right? Because yeah, I would have totally. juiced my return significantly. Yep. And yep. so I can yep. look back and go, I made the wrong decision. Mm. But I, I, maybe I'm trying to protect the ego here, but I don't think so because mm. I just, I've, I've, I yes. personally very much value the sleep at night factor. And and just I just don't know if I could live a comfortable life, <laughs> knowing that at any moment I could be completely rug pulled. Um, yep. And even if I'm, I'm doing what is otherwise ostensibly sensible things over the grand mm, arc of mm, time, there there can be massive dislocations in the market. So it's a personal choice. Just be aware that there is a there is a the greater the level of of debt, the greater the level of risk. And it might work out, which is great, and you'll make much more than you otherwise would. But if it doesn't, things can go south very quickly. We've made the point before, mate, that, that even if you get the right outcome, doesn't make the decision right. Mm. And if you get the outcome wrong or, or, or less optimal, that might have been, doesn't make the decision wrong. Yeah. So if, even to your point about, you know, looking back, could I have made a lot of money? Yes. Mm. People say, well, obviously, therefore, you made the wrong decision. But no, because the, the outcome wasn't known. Yeah. A- and given the range, a bit like risking an investment, right? We invest in stuff despite there being risks. Yeah. That actually could come to pass. That's yeah. by definition. That's what that's what a risk is, right? Something that could come to pass, but it's not guaranteed to. Yeah. And so you invest based on knowing that's possible. And if it doesn't happen, you go dodge the bullet. If it doesn't, you go, well, that sucks. Still the right decision yeah. if the if the payoff, if the if expected payoff was high enough. Yeah. Still the right idea. So your point, you know, it, you know, mathematically, could you have been financially better off if you'd done something different? Yes. Mm. Does that make the right decision? No, because anything could happen in the meantime. Mm. I've I give the example lots of times, I will keep using it, of, of Elon Musk himself saying, you know, if Tesla had hit a recession at the wrong time, yeah. the business doesn't exist today. Yeah. Now, was he right? Was he lucky? I don't really care. It's not really about that. But my point is the circumstances mattered. Mm. And, and they do, and they, whatever happens can can have a meaningful, I just, meaningful impact. Just expand because I know it's been mm. very popular, and it's not regulated, so it's just all over YouTube <laughs> and social media as uh-huh. people with these property strategies. Yeah. And it's sort of like you look at them, and they're like, mm, yeah. they've made a lot of money, right? Yeah. They yeah. they've leave it up, and legitimately they're, too, they're not lying. <laughs> no, no, they made it's, money. It's no, small, they yeah, they took yeah. they took a small deposit. Leverage yep. to the eyeballs. The equity risk. grew. <laughs> exactly. yeah. They used yeah. that to buy another one. They did it yep. and did it and did it and did it. So it's, yep. And it's sort of like, and it's been happening for a while. So it kind of just, mm-hmm. it feels legitimate. There's social proof that's out there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and the and the chicken little sits on the yeah. edge. Oh, it sounds risky. I don't know. You know, who's much, mm-hmm. much poorer than these people uh, driving Ferraris around and stuff. It's just, I still think, <laughs> you know, it's the turkey story. Again, you know, it's kind of... <laughs> It's always this. You and I only have about four stories. We just try and tell different versions of them every few weeks to make sure people don't realize. But you're right, it is, it is absolutely yeah, the We'll have story. to elaborate that for those who haven't heard it before. It's some other <laughs> go point on, in time. Go on, no, don't, no, it, go on. You've got a couple of minutes. Oh, look, the, 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 it's, <laughs> oh, I, I forget who said it originally, but it's this idea of, and it's an American JP Morgan, story. JP probably. Where the, the turkey is, is thinks that farmers are a great guy, you know, and, he, and the other animals say, no, he's not. You've got to watch out. He's like, well, he feeds me, keeps the foxes away, cleans out the pen every day. Like my whole life, he's done nothing but look after me. My historical context here is one of a person who only has my best interests in heart. And then Thanksgiving rocks around and the farmer comes and chops, the, chops his head off. You know, it's sort of, there are, Nicholas Taleb talks about these kinds of 
events where it's just like not everything mm. not everything sort of lives in this normal distribution bell curve not everything follows a linear path of progression in fact most things in our world don't <laughs> like there are, we, we love to think about statisticians love to think about them because <laughs> it fits into models very quickly but things can change really rapidly and and un, in in seemingly unprecedented ways or at least not within our precedent of our very very short lifespan and my argument would be if you want to look over other markets and over broad stretches of time the strategy such as the highly leveraged negatively geared flip your equity into more has actually been a strategy yeah. that has been would be a disaster in most contexts yeah so to point to a very narrow relatively period of time in a particular market mm. for particular reasons where that's gone particularly well and then say see that's a really smart thing to do i i'm just cautious now i'm a bit gun shy because i've been saying that for a while and i'm i'm you know the if, it, if someone's listening and i talk them out of it and then five years later, they go, oh, God, yeah. idiot, why didn't I do that? You know, it's like, why did I listen well, to that idiot? Because it yeah. could have gone so well. And I would have, and I could have, and I should have. So do it if you want to do it. I don't care. It's your money. But just there's no free lunch out there. And there's, there's a cost to that. And you need to be, it's not all, it's not, there's no easy guaranteed way to, to vast wealth. Yeah. Um, that, it's another version. Now, it's another version of the same point you made, which is which is that idea of you know, although I made, but about your example of you know, just because it, it, if you if you say be careful and people are careful and it might have worked out, mm. doesn't mean it was a bad bad advice or bad not we give you advice, but but bad decision, right? Mm. Good decision, just the outcome. We we don't have to look far, that far to see it, mate. The, the the GFC, the number of people who were absolutely smashed in the US what they know is the subprime crisis for exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. Look, house prices keep going up, rates are low. I can keep doing this for years. God knows how many reality TV shows of house flippers they were, they were literally called, you know, house flippers or property flippers, whatever they were called. This thing was, and it was going for years. Mm -hmm. Look how good it is, look how good it is, look how good it is. Oops. You know, toss heads three times in a row, you toss a head the tails the fourth time, everything mm -hmm. else goes away. Yep. If you keep doubling down, doubling down, doubling down, if you don't take enough risk off the table, you are literally just waiting for the shoe to drop. There are um, dudes out there that bought JPEGs of monkeys that made millions right, of dollars exactly. <laughs> yes and good luck to them good luck to them i'm not going to do it yeah i'm just not going to do it and surprisingly it didn't work after that um I, so nathan I, a quick point just from me uh again we can't tell you what to do uh i <clears throat> i think ram sleep at night question is the right one i think that life is too buffett quotes i love the joint life is too short to go back to square one Mm -hmm. So anything that risks the current amount of equity you've built up is not worth doing. And I say risks are not could go down by 10%, but literally could be wiped out. Mm -hmm. So you take the risk, you take the risk, you take the risk. You get to 43, it stops working. At 43 and a half, you're starting from zero and trying to work your way to retirement again. It's just there, there is no circumstance in which that risk is worth taking because mm -hmm. it's you like asymmetric, Ram. By the way, we had someone who said you should that should be the new drinking game. Every time you say asymmetric, you should have to take a drink. <laughs> yeah, I need a T-shirt. Uh, I, I got that somewhere. Um, but no, but so, you know, the, the, the simple reality is if you had a million dollars, right, going to two million or down to zero is not a symmetric bet. No. Because you, you've got to start starting at zero, you know, to, to, oh, well, it's a million dollars either way, up or down, it's the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, ask someone who had a million dollars now going to zero. If someone you go from one to two, you're a bit richer and well, you're a lot richer, but you know what I mean. Going from, you, you, going from 20 to 19 or 21. Okay. Right, exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's something else. Yeah. Correct. Correct. But going square one is, is painful. So I'm with you, mate. Uh, Nathan, I, I think you need to be, or, you know, your advice. Anyone in your situation needs to be careful. 
Uh, the closer, frankly, the higher rates go, the less attractive investing is relative to paying down your mortgage. Uh, it's, a, it's a guarantee. You don't have stock picking risk. You don't have volatility risk. You don't have, frankly, the risk that you freak out at some point and sell because it gets too painful. All things I've talked about before about leverage in general, I think applies here. But when you're getting a risk-free return, which is approaching, getting closer to the return you get on shares, uh, I don't know, I reckon at some point it tips pretty nicely into uh, paying down the mortgage and being happy. Uh, that means if you only redraw it at some future point, then you might just be shuffling deck chairs around too. So just be, be careful of that. I can tell you a kind of return that doesn't show up on a spreadsheet as much as the, um, uh, you know, I know people of sort of, I guess, Gen X and above to some extent, people who are fortunate enough to have been in that situation where they bought early enough at low enough prices and spent the next 15, 20 years essentially paying it down. Yeah, that's right. Now, there is a a paper gain there on their property. But think Mm -hmm. about this. Every week where the average person in, I don't know, Sydney is paying, what is it, 600 bucks? That's average, by the way. Plenty of people paying more than 1,000 bucks a week or, or whatever it is on their mortgage. They're not paying that. That's that's a that's a, that is a return that you get, and also, who cares what happens to interest rates, right? Mm-hmm. For, for for you for you, you're bulletproof. No matter what happens, there is a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if the paper value of your of your house collapses twenty percent in a big property market, yeah, who cares? I'm going to be here for the next 30, 40, whatever it's going to be. That is that is such an insanely good situation and such an incredible return. Although it's not the the kind of return we tend to think of, I, I just think is. I'm just hugely envious of, of people in that, that situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mate, I reckon we've done a pretty good job after what was a marathon episode on uh, on Friday. I might give listeners an early mark rather than start something else because you and I both know if I deign to suggest another question, we'll be another 15 minutes in answering <laughs> Especially it. Especially so, if it's on property. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or Bitcoin, God forbid. Yeah, yeah. Mate, uh, we've, got some, we've got some Bitcoin follow-up questions, by the way, for our Bitcoin episode, which is you did inexorably- promise, You did promise a second episode. I was going to say, which is inexorably drawing closer despite my best efforts. Yes. But the good thing is, good thing is, if it's far enough away, even getting a little bit closer, it doesn't matter. No, I'm kidding. We will do it at some point. Uh, not just yet, but but soon enough. So we'll we'll give you a bit of a heads up when that's on the way. Um, I imagine, mate, we might even plan it for a bit later in the year when we get close to the holidays. But we'll see. We'll see how yeah. that all, all yeah, pans out. Yeah, I'm happy to. You know, I'm happy you- to. Oh, happy to maybe hounding me come November uh, will, will, in the meantime will you join me next week of course love it beautiful love I'll it. see you then until then you can get in touch with us on all the usual socials I mentioned our socials on Twitter a couple of times at sage underscore Simeon at TMF Scott P I'm the same on Instagram as well follow strawman at strawman invest or the motley fool at the motley fool AU if you want to send us an email info at fool.com.au And you get me on Facebook at Scott Phillips Money and The Motley Fool Australia. Until next Friday when Ram comes back and we don't talk about Bitcoin yet again. (laughs) Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.